Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is powered by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? Welcome back to the Reef Therapy Podcast, session number 64. Today, we're going to start with a little tank-based therapy session. We'll go through some comments that we had on the last podcast episode, and we'll talk about frag swaps. Uh, now that the show season is kind of underway, a lot of smaller frag sh- swaps are happening. Reef Palooza was just recent. Uh, Aquashella is coming up, so we've got a lot of those. As you'll notice, it's just Mark and I. Raj is currently enjoying some time in South Africa. I believe he's on a business trip with MRC, but... Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of these, Mark, but the pictures have started to come in, and I'm very jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't nice. have his phone, I guess. Uh, something happened with his phone. He had to like reinstall the apps and all the stuff, so he's finally got communication again. Um, so all the all the photos of you know safari and video adventures and things of that will start pouring in. Um, but I think he'll be back next week. So just Mark and I for this session. Mark, how's your week been? And what you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm having a Sweetwater 420, um, similar to what Raj was drinking last time, although he had some special edition. I still don't know what that was. But uh, since I didn't go on a run and I didn't have beers on my run, I thought I could go a little heavier now and not end up in, you know, uh, uh, venting, drunk ventingville where I start to, you know, say things I probably regret. <laughs> Um, not that I would, I don't, that's not really my style. I, I tend to be a happy drunk, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, so far pretty good week. Um, it's one of those weeks where I had to make all these difficult, uh, decisions with, uh, regards to work and some stuff that we need to figure out with our house. And I, uh, I was losing a lot of, you know, sleep trying to figure out what to do. And then last Friday I, I, had finally like we were like all right this is what we're gonna do so then you start the weekend like all right there's no more decision making to be had and then this week all of my decisions went up in mm. the air again because you know there was like curveball so that was kind of interesting but uh um, like home renovation stuff yeah or? Other than that. yeah i mean there's a couple of work decisions but then at home um we got this really we don't have a big yard but in our not so big yard uh, I think it's only a quarter of an acre. Um, there's a ton of really old, beautiful trees, but because of those trees, we cannot grow anything. And when we first moved in 12 years ago, 13 years ago, the trees were a lot smaller, right? And it all looked okay, but now like one tree is starting to blow out a retaining wall that we have, and everything's just kind of going bad. And so then we were like, all right, well, we want to keep, trees because i love having a wooded you know backyard but you know maybe cut a few out so that there's a little more light coming in we can grow our shade tolerant grass a little better grow some shade tolerant plants but then it's like what do you cut down and then this is more than anybody wants to know but our favorite trees or the species of trees that we really love are in the worst positions Mm -hmm. and the trees that are really like oh those can go uh, like crappy ones, I think for anybody living with uh, sweet gums, I don't know if they've got sweet gum trees in St. Louis where they drop those. They're like acorns that are made out of spikes. So if you uh, step yeah. on them barefoot, they yep. hurt like hell. <laughs> so all what you'd call trash trees, I guess, uh, are in the places where it'd be nice to have a mature tree. So that was sort of like my wife was like, oh, why are you wanting to cut down like our best trees? And I'm like, well, because those are the ones that are shading everything. And anyway, so it's just it was like this 
and some of these trees are, you know, the guy's like, oh, that's a 70-year-old tree. And you just feel Gosh, wrong yeah. cutting yeah. down something that's <laughs> been alive for 70 years, you know? Um, but Yeah, um, I, I feel you on so, that. So, yeah, that's sort of the... Yeah. We have uh, we have an invasive um, species of uh, it's called the Bradford pear tree. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know so yeah. Uh, when we first moved into this house, I'm not an arborist by any means. I don't know much about trees, I guess. And we moved into this house, and uh, the first spring we were in it, it's like these beautiful white blooms, you know, on the tree, and it you know it lasts for a couple days maybe i don't say five to seven days or whatever you get like this beautiful white bloom and i posted a picture on facebook and facebook went nuts they're like oh i hope you enjoy that <laughs> that sperm smelling tree because apparently that's i was about that's where my brain went because we had one on our driveway and the smell was yeah so awful. there's that and then also you know you get all the people that are like you know the the state of missouri will will actually replace that with a with a a native tree for no charge if you take that down. And I'm like, well, this thing is huge. I mean, it's, it must be, and they grow fast. So it must be 10, 15 years yeah. old or something like that. But I swear this happened uh, just randomly was pulling into my driveway one day, just barely missed it. But it was a beautiful day, light breeze, five to 10 miles per hour. And we heard the loudest pop and half the tree came down in our driveway on a that's what on they're a known for day. Doing. This thing has been through almost yeah. tornado like sustained winds, 60, 70, 80 mile per hour winds. We get some pretty some pretty uh crazy severe storms through here. But no, 5 to 10 miles per hour just like cracked in half. <laughs> so we have half a tree in our front yard. <laughs> Yeah. Right now, well, it, yeah. I'm I'm just surprised it hasn't gone over because now it's not aerodynamic at all. It's just like a wall on one side of branches. But yeah, we need to. Oh right, we need to yeah. take that thing down. We had one of those uh, next to our driveway when we bought this house, and it was beautiful. Uh, but uh, I in our old neighborhood, I had seen so many of those Bradford pears crack and then just come down. And it's right next to the driveway where the cars are, and I was like, "That thing yeah. gotta go." So we we replaced it, but uh, but I, there's still so many in the neighborhood. And again, talking about not to bring up running, but when they <laughs> bloom and you're running, you're, you're doing like a three to five mile run, and all you smell is like that sperm <laughs> smell. It's like it's like sort of like bleach, yeah. right? Like kind of chlorine. Like, oh, dude, it's yeah. so brutal. Yeah. Um, not a fan of those guys. Yeah. yeah, We're hoping to get that maybe taken down here this summer. I just want a tree in my front yard and this thing is so, it's so big and it's nice. And I don't know what my front yard would look like without a tree. And then you got to grind the stump out and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, not looking forward to that. How's your, how's your tanks? Anything going on new there? Um, yeah, actually, this would be a good time to bring up somebody's question. Uh, I saw a comment about the how I'm if, uh, managing calc and pH. Got it um, here. Mitchell uh, says, can Mark go into more detail and talk about what equipment he is using to monitor and maintain pH while dosing calc? Yeah, so, and I know Neptune will tell you not to do this, but I have both of my reef tanks on the same Neptune system. Um, and, um, I don't do any special coding like what Chris Meckley, um, I think suggested about having 
your dosage be somewhat managed by your pH uh, level, which you can do with an apex, because right, if you have a dose apex dose pump and you have an apex, you know, pH probe, or you have a, any pH probe plugged into an apex. I don't do it that way, but I got lucky with my first experiment of the small tank where I managed to dial in my overnight calc dosing so that my nighttime pH is more closely matched to my daytime pH and sort of, you know, created that stability. And uh, then I got all excited and, you know, I saw that my corals were doing great and I haven't really been thinking about alk. And so I finally felt comfortable trying it with the big tank. Um, I'm struggling with that one because of a couple of factors. One, choosing a different dosing pump than what I use in the basement. And, uh, and, and Chris Meckley will tell you, like, don't use a calc stir, just use a big vat. And he, you know, he kept telling me, like, a calc stir won't work. But I've seen so many people, including Jake, you know, his studio is full of uh, calc stirs. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go with a calc stir because it's just easier for me to um, do that than have a giant vat, you yeah. know. And um, sure enough, I can't get the pH dialed in with that and i don't know if it's the calc stir um i need to test the ph in the calc stir solution to see if it's dropping uh from 12 down to whatever and and seeing if it's like losing its potency or the versa pump is different than my other dosing pump which is kumur because kumur is like okay you want to dose this much during this window of time but it doesn't dose continuously. It was like every few minutes, it just hammers a big dose in, right? So it gives you that nice big spike. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Versa, I know you can do this with the Versa, but it's a lot more complicated. But right now, it's just continuously dosing. So if you split up, let's say, 10 liters over 10 hours, it's a tiny little drop going every you know second. Whereas I really wanted to do like a big squirt and then you know like like a lot of calc not a lot but like a decent amount and then just hang out for a bit and then do it again maybe 10 minutes later much like my kimura and you can do in the versa like you can add as many windows you know like time intervals and then you know say during you know for one hour dose this much and then maybe wait an hour and then for one or i guess you could do it by five minute intervals but that'd be such a pain in the ass to set up in the versa so I got to figure something out. Um, maybe somebody who knows the Versa better than me can comment if there's an easier way. Maybe I'm totally dumb and I'm missing a way to do this easily. But I don't want continuous dosing, right? I'd rather it deliver like 100 mLs and then hang out for a little bit and then do it, then do it like drop by drop. So, so yeah, that's sort of what I'm struggling is um, maybe I throw a big vat in the basement and just ditch the calcster and then keep the versa as is or maybe i just need to tune the versa to get where i need to be i mean this is all like 24 hours ago Mm -hmm. and this entered my brain so i don't really have a clear thought about it yet but um but that's what i'm doing and and as long as you're so i'm i'm slowly ramping up the amount i'm dosing and just keeping an eye on my ph so i don't really have anything coded like if ph greater than yeah you know turn off the dosing pump or anything. I don't do anything crazy like that. Gotcha. So, um, but yeah, I mean, do you, you do. Yeah. I, dosing? Uh, I actually, I started last year. Um, I'm doing it the entirely wrong way in my top off. 
um, when I get these new tanks in here, I'm gonna set up everything correctly and not do it like that. But I'm I'm not bad. I'm like eight three to eight one. Um, That's good. So that it'll usually drop to that eight one overnight. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know calc is is tried and true, and yeah, it's probably you know hard on my my auto top off pumps and all that stuff right now but uh like i said i've actually got a four bank of versa pumps i have not used yet i'm ready for whatever this next big tank is going to be and i'm just like holding out all of this equipment that i've kind of acquired over time here and i want to put it on that tank uh some ecotech lights and versa pumps and you know all that kind of stuff so um but yeah, I, I think the calc is one of those things that yeah, uh, it's 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 just it's so simple, and I feel like that's why so many people enjoy it so much. But you know, it has been outshined. I feel like for many years by you know the two part stuff, and you know, choose your poison, I guess. But the calc is going to be a lot cheaper, especially if you got a big tank. I mean, that's that's the way to go. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I love, I have a calcium reactor sitting on a shelf I don't use. Uh, I really enjoyed going the two-part, and yeah, it was slightly more expensive than running my calcium reactor, uh, but that also depended on which two-part you use, because some are really concentrated, whereas others are, you know, weaker. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just ended up going with a more concentrated brand, and I just kind of build it into my hobby. Like, all right, once a month on Amazon, order, you know, order uh, two gallons of, you know, some two-part solution. Um, but it was just interesting that uh, the pH thing, I, I, I was like, I'm not worried about pH. My corals are growing great. I had low pH when I ran a calcium reactor for the last 20 years. Uh, and then, you know, Meckley got into my <laughs> head. And then it was like... Because I remember the days where we were dosing uh, stuff in the 90s, and it was all about uh, calcium. And it wasn't until I set up a calcium reactor, and and then you start to read about how to dial in a calcium reactor. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you want your effluent to hit, you know, a certain pH, and then you want to start testing your alkalinity, right? Because it's really an alkalinity reactor. Um, and then everybody like just the the thing was alkalinity, 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 but alkalinity is just a measurement of your water's ability to uh buffer against like acids and stuff, right? Am I getting that right? Or it's um I don't know. But it I mean it's it's not really a direct measurement of carbonates per se, because it's all different types of bicarbonates, carbonates, whatever. So it's just interesting. It's like, well, wait, what if we, you know, what if we think about stabilizing pH? But this big tank is pissing me off because I've got a CO2 monitor. I mean, I've been down the rabbit hole now, and I've got the CO2 in my house is fine. Um, It did spike sometimes, but right now, like this time of year, like the CO2 is like um, four to 600 parts per million. So I don't necessarily think it's making a huge impact on the tank. Um, But I can, I mean, this basement tank's dialed into like 8.3 just with calc, and it's next to a a gas furnace, right? Like that's producing all kinds of carbon (laughs) monoxide and stuff. Um, 
And then, you know, this tank upstairs that's like in a sunroom, like with lots of airflow is like it got this depressed pH. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the story is. I've got the probe calibrated. Do you have a so, walkout basement? Is that door that's behind you lead to the outside? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a side entry basement, which those are cool because your backyard, well, depending on your, you know, how your, how your outside is, but it's nice because the deck is level with the backyard. It's only a few gotcha. steps down. Um, the downside of a side entry basement is all the windows are just on one side and there's no other windows anywhere else. So, you know, the way the basement was finished by the previous homeowners, it's like I'm sitting next to the door. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, we've got this uh, kind of lookout, I think they call it, a lookout basement. So you can see out into the backyard from these windows. Our last house had a, had a walkout oh, nice. basement, and that was really nice. You know, you could just open the doors down there and all the windows. And uh, I don't know. There's, uh, I, I've, I don't have... Uh, a co2 monitor down here so i'd be interested to see what that is although i'm not growing anything super crazy or have any huge tanks down here so uh, but that may may all come in time uh to monitor all that but yeah i was just curious you know because um not not just from a tank ph perspective but just also i i'd replaced all the windows and i wanted to see if that changed the uh, household co2 and all that and um I mean, just for my own health. And it's interesting, this room where I sit and I put it in here once and when I'm working from home and I'm just here by myself in this one little room, there must not be a lot of airflow here because the CO2 just skyrockets. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, in my brain, I'm always tired near the end of the day. And I think it's just because it's a work day and you get tired near the end of the day, but my brain's like, it's the CO2, you know? <laughs> like it's My brain is uh, needing oxygen or something, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it, there's nothing fancy. Like if you step outside this door, you're staring at my neighbor's driveway. So it's nothing too exciting. I can't just like on a nice spring day, I don't like open the door and like, yeah. you know, I'm working from home and taking calls. Cause then my neighbor's just like staring <laughs> at me like, Hey, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, I guess, to uh, hope that answers your question. Um, Mitchell, um, I have, uh, as far as like what I've been doing down here is just kind of the waiting game right now. Um, like I said in the last podcast, I just have a lot of corals that I don't really want to be growing that are growing. Um, <laughs> lots of Kenya tree, like we talked about last time. I've got this Galaxia that is amazingly happy and just, I've never seen so many sweepers on a coral oh, in yeah. my life. And they always, you know, you always talk about the, your local fish store, whoever that's selling you the Galaxia will be like, Oh, put it on an Island by itself or put that away from everything else. Cause it's gonna, it'll, those sweepers are long. I never really noticed it before, but this one is like <laughs> claiming its territory. <laughs> and right now it's probably got, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 sweepers out. It's just like, it looks like it's on, uh, it's being electrocuted or something, but yeah, I'm just kind of waiting because I have all, I have all this coral that's overgrown, but then I've also got, a lot of pieces that I really want to keep and put into a new tank and a new system and let them thrive there. Um, so I'm just kind of waiting. Are you allowed to talk about your future tank or are you trying <laughs> to keep that under wraps for future reef builder? Well, we content? kind of, we kind of uh, touched on it last time. So, um, we're Ultum, 
Nature Systems is a sponsor of Reef Builders, and they do a lot of freshwater stuff. They do have some all-in-one tanks, which is a one that I will be getting. It'll be smaller. I want to say the tank is uh, your favorite size, Mark, 13 gallons, I think, or 14 gallons. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but I want, to do, I want to do a very natural reef in there, something that's, you know, macro slash leather slash gorgonians, you know, that kind of thing, white light. It's on a natural, it's on yeah. a natural wood grain stand. So I think that's really aesthetically, I think that's going to be the, the right play for that tank. And then later this year, hopefully getting that, that bigger tank. And, and I don't have full details on that, but. Uh, I'm excited to get like a like a chunky something to put some frags in and some coral in and uh I've got a bunch cool, of yeah. like I've got a couple toads that are that are pretty pretty beefy right now but you know and and hearing you and Jake talk about these nice luscious leather corals that we all love so much they just they ruin the flow <laughs> they get in the way they take up a lot of room oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see what, what makes the cut for the next tank, but I had to get rid of, uh, I had one that was as big as a five gallon bucket and, um, I mean, it shaded everybody and yeah. everything for a good third of my six foot tank. And it, I, it was such a showpiece. I mean, it was everybody's favorite coral, even when I posted pictures online, that was like the most talked about coral in the picture. But I was like, it's got to go because it's, um, you know, I mean, it's it would be a cool specimen or species tank. You know, like Jake did these where he just had like a single elegance yeah. coral in a yep. cube tank. That would have been cool. But, um, yeah, so I took it to my uh, local fish store and uh, one of the guys that works there, he was helping maintain a, uh, a large system that... You know, the problem with large tanks is you put the size of the size frags are today. Like you put frags in like a three hundred gallon <laughs> tank, they just yeah. disappear. So this guy was looking for some large corals and uh graciously took it, so and no regrets on that. I do still have a Japanese green polyp leather. I don't know if it's from Japan, but that's what every every online Japanese seller says it is. Yeah. Deep water, <laughs> yeah, Jap yeah. Um yeah, that's uh, I, I, that's a whole other story. I don't I don't understand the naming of, <laughs> but um, it's a cool coral, and it's you know it's starting to finally grow. And I, I kind of wonder if there is if there was some chemical warfare going on with that big leather because once I removed him, my other leathers that were just sort of just you know doing their thing but not really growing suddenly started to grow, and it wasn't because they were getting more light because they were on the opposite side of the yeah. tank so it's kind of interesting to see them suddenly start i taking feel like off. most leathers are pretty shallow am i wrong on that <laughs> like most leather mean? corals found in the ocean are are fairly shallow shallow so calling I, I i remember posting or someone posted something about a oh yeah like, like a deep water, water japanese coral and someone was like it's not from japan and it's not found in deep water <laughs> <laughs> um I know um, Lobophytum, uh, finger, devil's hand yeah. leathers. Uh, when I was in um, Mozambique, we were doing these 150-foot dives, which is really funny because I was not deep water certified, and I'm not nitrox certified, but the crew I was with were like, you're fine. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you, you're like, you, Mark, you can dive with nitrox, right? I was like... <laughs> sure you know and 
And then, you know, it was like, I was used to cattle boat diving, you know, like these big boats where they flip a ladder down in the back and you yep. climb in and like, you know, all of a sudden you're, you think you're like a Navy SEAL, like you're in a dinghy <laughs> going out of the ocean and you're flipping backwards and all that. But um, anyway, we were down, I don't know, I can't do it. Maybe it was 120 feet, four, it was 40 meters. What is that? I think that's about 120 feet. And there were these lobophytums that were as big as, um, I don't know, my driveway. I mean, that's they were insane. just huge just like a carpet you realize it's like oh that's one leather yeah. coral just one big ass leather coral um so i do think they go deep but but to your point if you watch any people like documenting stuff from indonesia and all that stuff or or even like they'll be in a mangrove area and you'll see like leather corals growing off the mangrove roots yeah. so it's and then uh jake did that great video in the oh, solomon yeah. islands and he was like I think he was like in snorkel depth and there were leather corals yeah, maybe 10, everywhere. 20 so, feet or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, that's one of my favorite videos of his. I, I'll go back I and watch that regularly. He's got, I think there was a couple of videos in that series, but, um, that's, that's, that's one of my favorites. It just, you know, not only does it put you in the ocean seeing, you know, corals in their natural habitat, but it also puts you on that kind of like, this is a, it's yeah. like an off the grid <laughs> trip, you know, where I'm just going to, I'm all yeah. I'm all I'm gonna do is snorkel and scuba dive, and I'm gonna lay in a hammock and eat the rest of the time and drink beer. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. That kind of throws those vibes to me. Yeah, he told me a lot of stories about that trip, and you know, they just. Uh, I don't think he brought a sleeping bag, and he was using like leaves or something <laughs> as a blanket, palm leaves, or or maybe he was using them as a mattress in like a hut. I don't know, but. Uh, I remember hearing, like, he was talking about it. I was just like, yes, yeah. you know, like, that's my, because I love backpacking on all that. And that was what was great about Mozambique is it was camping and scuba diving. I mean, it was like literally you slept in a tent in a, in a nature preserve where there were, like, elephants and monkeys and all this yeah. crazy stuff. And then you hopped in the back of a pickup truck, like an old Toyota, and you just held on for dear life, and they just went over these sand dunes to the ocean, and then you went scuba diving and saw corals and emperor angelfish, and then you go back and have a braai, which is like a barbecue, and you go back and sleep in your tent. I'm like, I was in heaven, right? It was like you just melded like two things I love to do into one thing. So uh, when he told me that Solomon trip, I was like, man, that's that's heaven. I'd love to do that. I don't need a fancy yeah. hotel. You need you to know? get Raj to... Yeah. Uh, to start a reef builders trip and we need to do that like every like once a year if you want to come it's you know x amount of dollars and we'll you know camp on the on the beach and, and do that whole thing you know i think that'd be a lot of fun um i don't know if my wife would like that but <laughs> yeah that's it's the uh getting you know like limited corporate job pto and it's like well half of it i'm gonna go with a bunch of my hobbyist <laughs> friends and i'm gonna you know it's like you know, it's like, well, what about, you know, family vacation and Christmas? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's always tricky. <laughs> um, we've been uh, putting together a trip for next week. So I'm headed to Orlando on Friday of next week. I guess when this comes out, it will be in two days. And then from there, shooting at Top Shelf Aquatics, we're going to do a bunch of video oh, stuff nice. there with the guys. And then from there, I'm going to be utilizing a, like a frag container 
and going through TSA with frags, which I've never done before and I'm a little nervous about, um, but I know it's been done. It can be done. It's totally okay. Um, and making a video about that and then going to the Reef Builder studio for, I think I'll actually be in Golden maybe a total of maybe 15 to 20 hours. And I'll be doing some oh, stuff wow. with Steve at ICP analysis and then st some stuff at the studio too. So hopefully this will give people a good glimpse of, you know, what the studio looks like right now in its current state. And I know that there's a, a, a hefty amount of coral vendors that will be providing a lot of coral to go back into the studio. So while some of it went out, um, we're going to bring a whole lot back in. So very excited about all that and some videos coming out. So it's going to be a crazy trip. That'd I'm like, cool. are you sure? You want to rely on airlines for this tight turn trip? I got to work on Monday. I got to be back on the, on the radio Monday morning. So uh, we'll see if that all works out. But if you're in the Orlando area or um, in Denver, hit me up for sure. Uh, that is going to be crazy. Are your kids into reefing at all, Mark? Um, How old are they, by the way? Not. Uh, so I got an eight-year-old son and a, uh, well, sorry. He'll, is he eight? Yeah, I should know this. He's eight. He's turning, where is he? No, he's turning eight next month. I'm really bad with numbers. And then my daughter's turning 13 this year in August, so she's 12. Um, they know enough about it, but they're not, I mean, super passionate about it or anything like that. But they, you know, they can identify crap, like, at the store. Like, oh, look, you know, there's that firefish yeah. dad and all that. But uh, have you... Have you ever taken them anywhere where they can snorkel? No, we have not done that yet, but I have a feeling that that may change I, the turn the tide a little bit. I think that helped with my kids. Um, we we did uh, Hawaii last year and the year prior. Uh, just the whole COVID lockdown, you know, when things started to open up again, I'm like, we're going big, <laughs> right? And we're, we're, we're not just going to go down to Florida like we always do which for us in Georgia is, you know, just a drive. I was like, I want to go, I want to go somewhere where there's coral reefs. And I mean, I wanted to go further, but you know, uh, with all the COVID stuff, it was like, all right, well, cause the things were still, there were still lockdowns happening and weird stuff. So I was like, well, it's the United States, right? Like I don't have to, it's just like going to Colorado if you go to Hawaii. So, uh, but anyway, they loved the snorkeling and then, I think it was just something about, you know, you've got a yellow tang in your reef tank swimming around, and it's just this thing they take for granted because it's always been there. I mean, I've had a reef tank since before they were born, so it's just this thing, you know, swimming around in the living room. Well, not in the living you know what I mean, in your house. But then all of a sudden seeing all that stuff in a natural mm -hmm. environment, and, you know, you're putting on the gear, and you're going against the waves, and all of a sudden you see this whole underwater world. It just... It, it was interesting, like that something went off in their head, like, wow, like this is really crazy. This is, and then they'd be like, dad, you know, because they could identify everything. Okay, you know, that's a coal tank, that's a yellow tank. But then I'm just having a good old time, like looking at for like the itsy bitsy critters. Like I always love looking for like little, little invertebrates and stuff. And then it's like, but I couldn't really get into my own world because every time I was like, dad, <laughs> What's this fish? You know, and it would be something that they'd never seen before and they couldn't identify it. So then for them, it was like, oh, OK, you know, bring the encyclopedia <laughs> dad over to figure out what this thing is. And uh, 
I don't know. I think that helped. And it also made them appreciate those fish that are swimming around in their house. Like, oh, okay. You know, that yellow tang's from Hawaii. And, you know, so anyway, it might be fun to take them somewhere like that one day. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's something they can do. Like scuba diving is a different story, right? You got to be like a certain age and all that, but snorkeling, they can do pretty young. Um, but yeah, I was just curious if you had done that yeah. before. With them. We've not been to the beach yet. We've been to Disney World once, and uh, yeah, that seems to be the the go to spot whenever my wife wants to go somewhere. It's usually going to be uh, Disney related or theme park related. But um, I really want to get them to a beach for sure. I want to get to a beach for sure. <laughs> I haven't been diving in a long time, and it's it's been so long that I probably need to do some refresher stuff. Uh, yeah, if reef stock been... Australia happens for me, which it sounds like it might, I mean, I have to. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have yeah. to go, you know, somewhere and just do a dive if time allows, or a couple dives, and uh, I want to be totally refreshed for that. So, um, we've got a couple diving outfits here in the St. Louis area uh, that can do some refreshers. I don't know if we've got any quarries. I actually got certified in a quarry in the chicagoland area and it's just like bluegill and bass staring at you because everybody feed everybody yeah. feeds them when you go down there so <laughs> um i did mine in colorado and all, all i could see was crawfish oh, yeah <laughs> everywhere um but i remember at least in colorado there were decent flights down to mexico and cozumel yeah. and um wasn't too bad even though it was landlocked um you know, we, we have the luxury now, Atlanta, like there's usually, you can find some good deals to the Caribbean and stuff from our airport, but, um, but I really want to go to the Pacific more, you know, that's, Hawaii is a really diverse for fish, not so diverse mm-hmm. for corals, um, but it was a, for young kids and, you know, during COVID and all the question marks around that, it was just an easy choice, but now that, you know, hopefully COVID is in the rearview mirror, and the kids are getting older. I'm like, all right, like Bali, mm-hmm. you know, who's who's in? You know, everybody want to go to Bali? <laughs> um, that would be awesome. Somewhere, somewhere out there yeah. would be cool. But yeah, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. We got a couple comments on the last podcast I wanted to address. Uh, Reef Girl says Mark was wondering how to describe the motivations between plant people, gardeners, and bonsai after my second significant tank crash. And recovery, I finally realized what was driving my passion for the hobby. It's nurturing. I realized I'm a nurturer, and I'm thinking that's probably the core of passions that are similar to hobbyists that we try to pursue. Uh, she said, I really enjoy listening to you guys. Keep it coming. I guess that makes sense, right? That's a really good point, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I think that's the best joy you get is when your corals are just growing and thriving like that's the best satisfaction right and i could see that you know plant people bonsai which is i guess a plant too but slightly different you know there's you're still applying your care and nurture to something and you know watching it thrive and and you know there's like there's purpose in it right so and if you have a purpose you you feel joy right so um it's a good point i mean um, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun learning about plants and I think it's cause I don't know anything about it. 
like I'm the idiot that's like on the Facebook groups going yeah. like, why does my plant look like this? And they're like, you idiot, <laughs> you know, you're overwatering it or that particular plant likes better drainage. You should move it to somewhere with better drainage. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know. Sorry. You know, like, but I'm learning. It's like, oh, this is fun. Not that I, ha- I know everything about reef keeping, but uh, it's sort of fun to dive into something that's similar in nature, but you know where you are nurturing for something and it does require some some passion about biology and chemistry and all that and but yet I don't know all these things like I don't know what all the plants are and uh it's kind of fun so yeah um hopefully uh, I don't go into like planted aquariums and tear down my reef tank (laughs) I really want I really love those fish that Jake had he had these freshwater altums that were just man and they're hard to get like are, uh, they're very seasonal and stuff. So, And there was a, by the way, I mean, I don't know if you probably didn't save this comment, but somebody mentioned I should listen to um, a podcast, and it's, uh, oh, I forget the gentleman's oh, name. Yeah. He, he sends, I think it's Jeff Sensky, or, um, and he was interviewing Heiko, Heiko, yeah, Blair. Heiko Blair. About the where the Cardinal uh, Tetra I, actually, or how it was actually discovered. Yeah, because we were talking about Axelrod being a shady yeah. character, and uh, I just want to say I did listen to that podcast, and man, it was good. Uh, and and they went into because I, I I did not know that he was the guy that also discovered the Altum Angelfish, which is my you know holy grail freshwater fish, and it was just good storytelling, and uh, yeah, made me want to go set up a freshwater tank. Yeah. So thanks for that <laughs> recommendation. Uh, that was Reef Girl. Um, let's see here. Troy H says, I love where the series is going. The chemistry between you three is spot on. It is obviously the energy that brought, uh, it is obviously that is brought to every episode. Now keep up the excellent work. Amir, who is actually uh, a reefer here in St. Louis said, great show hosted by some of the best, much appreciated guys. I paid him to say that. Um, blue reef says Jake is right. A simple sump, uh, is, uh, Jake is right. A simple sump, the better you are. What a waste of money. People spending 250 to $600 for a sump. Spend it on rare fish or a favorite coral. Yes, Mark, DIY sump and socks are a waste. Why I like Mark and Jake, common sense. So kudos to you. Yeah, Raj. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I agree, man. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Raj and I will disagree on that. Raj is has a company that makes amazing sumps that are very high quality. Um, and I was thinking about his comment about Paletta and where he's coming from. And he's not here to, you know, uh, tell me I'm wrong, so I should bring <laughs> it up now. But um, he's also coming from a different point of view, right? Like he deals with large public aquariums. And I think in those type of situations, like for instance, I don't care about detritus. I think the stuff you see in your sump is ugly, but I think it's probably mostly inert. Um, I've never really had issues as my detritus built up in my sump. With I mean, I've got piles of it, you know, and I do siphon it out every once in a while when I go for a spring cleaning, but I don't run mechanical filtration because of that. But my biggest tank is a six by two tank with a four foot sump. If I want to pull out all the built-up detritus, I just have to get the Python gravel vac out, hook it up to my sink, have a cup of coffee, listen mm-hmm. to a podcast, and it takes me a few hours, and I'm my, I've got spick and span clean yeah. tank again. 
that's not so easy to do on a 200,000 gallon reef aquarium at the George Aquarium, sure. right? So I can understand that if you're coming at it from a commercial or public aquarium perspective, you sort of want to nip that in the bud and say, okay, like let's have a let's have mechanical filtration so that it, you know we can sort of shore that up in one settling tank or whatever and remove it versus having all this crap build up because a spring cleaning on a huge tank is a whole different ball game, you know? So I, I get where he's coming from, where if you're building a life support system that everyone's going to walk to and see, it's a different, um, it's a different purpose. So you're going to go at it from a different approach than me with my own natural tank where I just, <laughs> I let, you know, I grow some algae. Like you can't build a, you could, but like a, a refugium for a 200,000 gallon tank, what would mm-hmm. that even look like? Um, Than had a really good point about that too, about large tanks, about, um, he was talking about, you know, like, oh, you, you just, when you have algae, you just stock up on some herbivores, order some snails, order some tangs. And he was talking about his 500 plus gallon tanks. He's like, you can't put enough herbivores in a tank that size to like knock down the algae because the system is just too big. And he's like, it's sort of like the Golden Gate Bridge. Like if you go in for like a spring cleaning or whatever and you start to clean it, by the time you get to the other side of the tank, this this side's already gone. Like this side needs work again, you know? And so I, I think when you go into larger systems, it makes sense that maybe your filtration's gonna be a little more complex because you can kind of reset a tank that's, you know, 180 gallons, pretty easy, you know, big water change, siphon out all the ugly crap, and then you're trucking again, so, so I get where he's coming from, but yeah, I mean, the systems that Jake kept, and that I, I guess I have experience with, I mean, my biggest tanks was 225, there's just no need for filter socks, and all that crazy stuff, I just think it's just work, plus, I mean, they're I don't know. I mean, I'm not a tree hugger, but I don't like all the waste, you know, like the, a lot of the stuff is, a lot of the mechanical filtration is made out of plastic. You know, it only, you can only use it so many times before you got to buy a new one, a new filter sock. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I think all you need is that really the most important thing is maybe a way to flow water through some chemical filtration so you know if you want to run carbon passively without a uh, a media reactor you can sort of design your sump to do that for you passively and then skimmers work best if they have constant water levels so just have a compartment you know have a divider so that the water level stays consistent in your sump and that's all you need or if you like me you like to grow algae mm-hmm. you kind of want to you know you don't want that plugging up your skimmer yeah, and all yeah. that so you want to keep that i'd separate. love to see because uh, i've seen i think uh mr saltwater tank uses mrc gear on a lot of his client stuff i'd love to see it a year after or two years after because we always see it when it's being installed but what is yeah, it before the yeah, uh, well, filter feeder you know uh fan worms and all the crap exactly. what does it look like a year later or two years later because that stuff's all going to grow in there regardless well, and the, uh, the other, not to beat a dead horse, but with public aquariums, water clarity is way more important too, right? Because you're looking through a much larger volume of water. So I can see that polishing the water makes yeah. more sense than 
uh, going through ozone and all that stuff. And I remember touring, touring the St. Louis aquarium and all the protocols you have to follow if, you know, there's a leak ozone, you know, leak or something like that. And it's it's crazy (laughs) the amount of ozone that they're working with as opposed to, you know, what we might use in the, in the hobby. It's, uh, it's pretty insane. So, but yeah, the, the difference in sizes definitely makes a a big difference in, in that, uh, last week we talked about how my club had the, our biannual frag swap and I, and it went well, it was great. Uh, I feel like numbers at frag swaps have definitely declined and I'm not sure if that's, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a number of factors that go into that. One of them for us, and it's always been a problem. And I don't know if this is a problem for you guys, but marketing, there were so many different people that came up to me that they were, that were like, I just found out about this yesterday. Like marketing for frag swaps is not, not awesome right now. Uh, I don't know that it ever really has been. We're approaching summer and, you know, not a lot of people have extra change for corals at this point. You know, inflation is a real thing and and everything costs more. And when your grocery bill is going up a hundred, you know, 150 bucks every month or whatever is because everything's more expensive. It's hard to justify going to a frag swap and just aimlessly buying coral. Um, but I wanted to know before we get into the hundred dollar coral challenge, how do you, when you do go into a frag swap or when you do go to a show, what's your approach? How are you going in? Are you going in with something in mind? Are you going with a budget? Like I can't go over 200, 300 bucks. What is it for you? I tend to be, I mean, if I'm going to go there, I tend to be a little more flexible about my budget. Um, just because, uh, it's usually, you know, not something you do all the time. Right. So if I'm going to, uh, an aquarium show and I went there and there's all these vendors, then I know that there's a higher likelihood that I will see some cool stuff that I may not see at my local fish store. So I tend to be a little more flexible about my budget, um, in those cases, but I think I can do that because I don't buy a lot of coral. Uh, I don't, I'm, you know, so if I, if I have an aquarium budget, which I sort of do, it sort of just builds up because I'm not really every weekend at the local fish store, you know, yeah. kind of thing. I used to when I was, you know, younger. It's just I don't, I, one, I don't have the time, and two, I don't have the space in my tank anymore. Um, I go in and I'm more looking for something that I haven't seen before, but I also, I don't. The problem is a lot of the stuff that I think is cool is probably stuff everyone else thinks is cool and has like a two thousand dollar price tag and I can't I just can't justify yeah. that. So so it's um it was it's more looking at stuff that I think has a reasonable price tag that I think is interesting. And a lot of times it's probably something nobody else thinks is interesting because I'm more interested in a coral species or genus that you don't see in the trade very yeah. often versus like the battle bot mushroom which i just totally made up if somebody should totally <laughs> come up with a market 10 of every sale <laughs> yeah if you use the name no um so yeah i look for just the weird stuff you know um and there's usually and usually you find something unique right where like each coral vendor got something random in in their shipment yep. they're like oh, i don't know what that is but let's take it so um I liked, I watched your video and I actually liked the corals you chose. I was like, all right, you know, 
Because you could easily have copped out with that budget and just <laughs> bought one torch. You know, <laughs> that or just bought like okay, I got some Xenia. I got yeah. this, uh, you know, just the stuff that nobody wants. But I think you did it in a way where you actually brought home some really unique and interesting corals, like branching scythe. Well, I'll let you talk about. It. I don't want to, you know, but the I, I like the branching. I have a pink branching cyphastria, and. I was having a debate with somebody if the green with pink polyp branching cyphastria is the same thing, but just different lighting, or if there is more GFP in that mm. one or what, because uh, mine is just pink yeah. on pink, and I really want the green on pink. So I saw that you scored that, and I was a little jealous. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How does it so. grow for you? I mean, I would I. I don't maybe maybe it's uh, it'll obviously vary from tank to tank, but how does that how does that grow yeah. for you? Mine had interesting, you could call it branching when it was in its early days, but then it, if you look at it now, it sort of continues to grow in on itself. So it looks like, it looks like a softball Mm -hmm. that has lots of holes in it, if that makes sense. So from afar, it doesn't look like a branching coral, but then you look more closely. The problem with mine is it's sort of similar to what happens to bird's nest. Uh, at least in for me with bird's nest is I can't get a lot of flow in there anymore so internally things have died off and there's like sponges and stuff growing inside of it but you could barely tell you have to really look at it because all the branches sort of overlap each other into a ball it's a super cool coral um, and it's pretty hardy uh, you know it's not one of those that takes a dump on you if you get your alk on you know one weekend you, know, you have your alk drop or something like it just it's pretty where do you have it in the tank uh i keep mine pretty low just because it's gotten you know mine's about it's bigger than a softball now so I, there's not many places i can put it so i keep gotcha. it pretty low yeah that was a that was a cool coral the guy had a couple different frags of it in his tank and uh, one was 25 and one was 30 and I just figured you know five dollars difference get the bigger one and I say bigger and it's still not the size of the frag plug so <laughs> um, yeah but, you know you there are you know, many different color variations of cyphastria like encrusting type that you know will just take the shape of whatever rock it's on or you know you've seen I, I think Jake had a does he have a triceratops head in one of his coral flats that he was growing cyphastria yeah. on um but yeah, I, th- I think going into this video, it was very much, I know that I can get a decent amount of coral just because it is a local frag swap uh, with a hundred bucks. But I also wanted to illustrate, I think, because we do hear that this hobby is so expensive all the time and it's just like you get beat over the head with that all the time. And really, it, it's it's manageable, I think. And even at a frag swap, you'll, you'll see the $2,000 corals. They're there. They're totally there. Yeah. But you don't have to buy those. And you can still get some pretty respectable corals, like the, the branching cyphastria. We had a great debate on what this uh, green shaggy SPS was. Um, I asked many people. And it's so interesting because, you know, we we talked about taxonomy last time and how it changes so much. And these taxonomists are just like, you know, uh, reclassifying things all the time. And I saw this frag. And to me, I was like, oh, sweet. This is like branching hydnophora. And you don't really see that too often at frag swap. So I'll pick that up. And, 
you know, had a bunch of guys come over and that vendor was very much like, I don't know what it is, but it's not a hide no four. It's not a hide no four. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> come to find out, it's it's actually just a apostlepora, pasilpora, um, what's the damacornis? Damacornis. Yeah, but it's super shaggy yeah. and super green. Like the body is also kind of a lime green too, the skeleton and or the the skin that hugs the the, the skeleton there. It's really really cool, and it's been out since i since i got it and since i put it in the tank so all the polyps are waving in the flow which is pretty cool um so from my challenge i got That's... seven corals total and one of those is a freebie one That's of those is good. a freebie at the door and i don't know that all frag swaps do that but I mean, that's about $17 per frag. I'm I'm not buying Xenia. I'm not buying GSP. I'm not buying, you know, one <laughs> polyp of Gobstopper Zoanthid, you know. Um, so like you said, I think I got some some pretty decent stuff. Yeah, I mean, I wish there was more of that variety online at that price. I mean, there's live sales and all of that uh i just can't keep up with all the you know okay live sale at 10 a.m on saturday blah 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 follow this thread i'm like dude i just i want to buy coral on a tuesday you know and my wife's watching some tv show i don't like (laughs) and i just want to open my laptop and be like oh that's a cool coral uh i don't want to have to log in at 10 a.m during my kid's soccer game because that's when the live sale is happening you know and um, i've totally done that so bad I've done it a couple of times. I felt bad because I um, I'd ordered some corals from Unique Corals, and then um, I had uh, I think they gave me a credit because one of the corals I don't remember. But then they suddenly had a live sale, and I think I was just having like a boring day, and I was just like, all right. And then I just I bought a <laughs> bunch of corals, and then I was like, wait where am I going to put all these corals? And then it was like, I, I actually messaged him. I was like, hey, uh, I just ordered all this crap like 30 minutes ago. Can I cancel my order? Because I just, I think the fever of just like, oh, that's a good yeah. deal got to me. And they were like, well, we can give you a store credit. And I was like, no, nah, in that case, just send me the corals, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, if the money's been spent, that's what I would have spent it on. But, um, But yeah, I don't know. I just... You know, you've got sometimes a coral vendor and they'll have like their 20 and under page and it'll just be like the crap they're trying to get rid of. But I don't know. I'd love to see, especially when you're throwing in like 30, like shipping is expensive for them and for us, right? So I get it. Yeah. But um, I think there's a lot of corals that are really cool and interesting that don't have to be so expensive as I guess what I'm trying to say. Pavona cactus. I think you got one yep. of those too, right? The uh, the other that's not like the cactus version, the, the potato chip version. I'm not sure what the the species name is. Yeah, on that. isn't that the cactus? Pavona cactus. The cactus is the larger Maybe one. I'm but I'll, one. I'll look real quick. Oh, you're talking about the smaller yeah. growth form. That's yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I have Pavona cactus, and it's I don't know the size of a. I don't know, it's about 10 inches. And I mean, I've had that coral since the dawn of time. <laughs> and I've hacked it back. I love that coral. It's like, it looks so different than everything else in the tank, right? Just the way it grows. That's um, fron- frondifera is the potato frondifera. chip. And, uh, from the Reef Builders yeah. article in 12, in 2012, um, it's still Pavona cactus, but I just saw uh, Decusata, but I could be totally wrong on that. Uh, it's funny because in trying to identify that 
Basilpora uh, talked to an actual student of taxonomy, and he said that whatever you've, if if what you're calling things are from before 2020, most of it is probably wrong. <laughs> yeah. So anything that we know is uh, maybe maybe wrong. But yeah, the the Pavona stuff is. I've always wanted one. I, I prefer the the smooth one as opposed to the is is yours uh does it have the the hairiness to it no it's it's yeah. pretty smooth um yeah it's like uh i mean it it's it's definitely potato chip forming but just much gotcha. larger and then it always has like a white growth edge um and i break i break it all the time with my algae magnet and then it just starts growing on my substrate and then so i just have like a ton of it growing around but uh but i love that coral it doesn't grow too fast um everybody wants fast growing corals but once they get bigger you don't want them sure. to grow too yeah. fast right um and it's a showpiece it's beautiful it's it's a nice color um yeah i don't know that was another good pickup so you could have that coral for like the rest of your life it just they're so hardy there's you know that's another bomb proof where uh, you got your canary in the coal mine corals that'll let you know you're 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 mm-hmm. messing up. You know, like hey hey man, you know you need to fill your two part, <laughs> or uh, but like the cactus just as I I call it, it just grows and just doesn't care that you haven't done a water change in yeah. a year. And you, you know, did that, you, you made a good point about you know these these corals that I picked up for I don't know fairly cheap and just having to buy them online. That is one that is one place I think where online really suffers is. I just searched branching branching cyphastria frag. I'm not gonna say where this is, but it's seventy nine dollars, and plus you got to pay another thirty yeah. for shipping. So you're not just gonna get that coral. You're looking at probably I don't know two to three hundred dollars later to justify that. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? Is to to make up for the shipping costs or to get into the free shipping, which is usually like at two fifty three hundred. It, it's just it's it's um. I'm not blaming the vendors, but it's just beyond the local fish store, uh, it's still hard to get when you just one coral, yeah. right? Like if you just want, if you want a branching cyphaster, you're like, that's just all I need. I got I got everything else I need. I really want a branching cyphaster. If your local fish store doesn't have it, uh, you're just going to end up spending like 70 plus 30 for shipping. I mean, that's just, it's a bit yeah. crazy still. Um if it was fifteen dollars, you'd be like, "All right, plus thirty shipping, okay, you know, forty-five bucks, okay, I can do that for a single coral." But I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, it sounds like I'm complaining, and maybe I am. But well, everybody's situation is different, and I I think that that's something that we'll get comments on as well. I don't, you know, I don't live next to a place that, or I don't live in a city with frag swaps, or right. You know, I have to drive two hours to get to my local fish store, and I totally understand that, and I I get it. Um, but, uh, it, it's just how, how this whole thing goes, you know, I guess if you're, if you're away from the resource, you're going to have to pay for, you're going to have to pay a premium for it. And that's just, well, and there's like the thrill of the hunt too, right? Like, so you don't get your instant gratification, but when you finally do go to a show and that coral you've been wanting is there, you're like, yes, finally. Right. Um, so there's that my, my frustration, which nobody can fix for me is I'll want three corals but not a single coral vendor has all ah, three. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> like, I'm not going to pay double shipping from two different yeah. vendors, you know? 
Yeah, I will say so. torches have come down. Most of the Indo stuff has come down in price significantly. Um, man, I, I remember seeing green torches at frag swaps during or just after during and just after the Indo ban. I mean, green, regular green torches going for two two fifty, and now I think yeah. most of the common torches are down to, you know, that fifty to ninety dollar range, which is kind of nice to see and the vendors had tons of torches there was so many torches um obviously philly is very popular and all the all the wild colored stuff is super popular and i think that's my one beef with frag swaps and i don't even know if this would work but my concept would be to have some sort of vendor that just has the weird stuff like all of the weird stuff for the for the nerdy coral people that aren't necessarily in the beginner category, but you know want to venture out and get some of that oddball coral, and that's kind of where I was going with this. You can't do too much because you know it's just a regional frag swap, so it's not like you're going to get crazy stuff. And they they're taking a chance because they have to travel with all of these corals as well, um, but some weird leathers or you know something would be would be cool to to have because i went back to this one vendor probably twice for three of the frags because he's the only one that really had some weird stuff you know and i appreciated that so yeah yeah i i it's every coral vendor is selling a lot of the same stuff because that's the stuff that's popular and that's that's frustrating because i i'm always looking for something interesting or unique or like i'd love to see some crazy uh encrusting softies right there's so many you go through all these reef books and it's just the different kinds of polyps that there are um like i'm talking like weird clove polyps and stuff you know it's just funky stuff like that would be so cool to see but nobody's really interested in that um I don't know. I there's a I, I would love to try another Australia gyra. I failed twice with them. But, you know, that was a long time ago. We've come a long way. I mean, back when I failed with them, I everybody was struggling with um goniaporas. Now everybody's keeping goniaporas. They're keeping them in nano tanks. Yeah. They're fragging the hell out of them. Maybe Australia gyra, you know, like uh maybe our experiences will be improved but nobody's bringing that in because it's not a very pretty coral i mean it's just a maybe there's pretty versions right because we i'm shocked at how many different colors of favites there are and you know this australia gyrus sort of is like a branching favites but it's just kind of doo-doo brown and green you know but but it's just a cool coral it's weird you know so I think that's what made it hard to frag is just the way that its tissue was and everything, its morphology. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, I, I was on a, I think it was with Reef Bum, I was chatting, and uh, Meckley was like, oh, people bring that stuff in. It's just nobody wants it. And I'm like, all right, how do we, <laughs> how do we get in touch with the people that have it and then be like, oh, nobody wants to buy it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> can I buy it? You know, but, uh, Somehow we got to figure that. Maybe Chris can bring it in and, uh, you know, get it to us. But, yeah, that, I'm with you on that. I, I don't know. I mean, it also has a side effect of, like, every tank on Instagram looks the same or on social media yeah. in general and on YouTube because they all have the yeah. same corals. And, yeah, their aquascapes are slightly different 
but they're all um, negative space or NSA, you know, same NSA, some torches, some, some you know, red gonies, some, some weirder gonies, and it's like, it all looks the same, and yeah. I don't know. It's, I'm, I, I think you were talking about like a, a natural tank. Um, I love those tanks that have like macroalgae in them and your buddy that has, um, you did a, I think he, he had a reef yep, lobster Tyler. you documented yep. in her. Yeah. His tanks are unique, right? Like yep. they're different. Like you stumble upon his stuff on social media and you're like, Oh, what's that? You know? And I don't know. It used to be like when I'd see a mangrove tank, I got excited. Now I think everybody has a mangrove. <laughs> He's got but. some really old mangroves. I, he, uh, I think it was the maybe the last video that I did on my channel before switching over to the Reef Builders channel. Uh, somebody had had a tank breakdown, like we talked about in the last one at Corner Reef, our local fish store, and brought in these mangroves, and they at that point were probably six or seven years old, and you know it's still relatively small at that at that age but he's got i mean those mangroves are substantial now i mean it's really cool to see because you always see the you know the one or two leaves here or there but i mean he's got little trees going on and i love that and i think while maybe those videos don't do the best because they're not flashy and all that stuff but i feel like if you're kind of a reefing nerd and you're beyond the i need this because it's a cool color part of your reefing career i'm and i'm not not dogging that because I'm I'm still in that area too. I just feel like if you've got another tank where you can do something cool like white light, gorgonians, mangroves, leathers, you know, that kind of thing, I think it's so interesting. And you can really go in deep. I, I love like cool invertebrates that you can get for those tanks and, you know, seeing little pom-pom crabs running around. And, you know, I just, I don't know. Yeah. There's just so many, so many facets of this hobby that are so, that are left to explore. And I think that that's what keeps me coming back is that there's, there's so much more that we don't know. And maybe, maybe you've gotten to the point where you're like, well, I'm just going to go to plants. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but it, I think that's why, like we were talking about high tech sumps, you know, I mean, my sump is like fascinating to me, right. With, with i've got you know various macroalgaes growing i got feather yeah. dusters growing everywhere there's all kinds of critters running around there i'd hate to have filter socks that are just trapping everything and having a like a sterile sump that i scrub clean um i don't know lately i've had this explosion of sponges and i sort of get why jake mm. hates them now because he was always talking smack about sponges but i was always like no sponges are awesome but like I've got them overgrowing some corals, you know, and I'm like, oh crap, I actually have to like prune the sponges and I didn't put them in yeah. there. They're not like ornamental sponges. What color? Um what? I mean just white and like fluorescent yellow and the white ones seem to be just overtaking like little corals and I gotta hack them back. It's crazy. I've never I mean, I've always had sponges, cryptic sponges mm -hmm. and all that. I've never had them grow so rapidly, and I don't know if there's something. Maybe the silicates in my water went up or something. Who knows, you know, and it's getting through my RO. Um, but, yeah, I, I love the, you know, that was what's so great about Live Rock in the 90s is weird stuff would yeah. come out of it, like, six months later. You know, six months later, you'd, like, be like, I have a lobster or I have some weird fish swimming around. What the hell was this thing? So, um and you just, all these sterile tanks are, are not really my cup of tea anymore. 
So yeah, I'd love to see somebody get some 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 turtle grass tanks. Mm. Like we were all trying to grow turtle grass back in the day for a while. I failed miserably at it um, because the algae would grow on the turtle yeah. grass. And then it was just trying to find like the right grazers that would keep it clean but not eat the turtle grass itself. Um, certain tangs were actually pretty good for that. But uh, I just couldn't get it to really take off. But then, you know, learning what I know now about plants and planting a yard, it's like, yeah, the first couple, first couple of seasons – you know, that plant does nothing, right? It's sending roots and stuff. So maybe what I thought was a failure was like, I just needed to give it more time yeah. to get established. But you don't see anybody growing turtle grass in a yeah. tank anymore. I love that challenge. I like so, that. Uh, yeah. May not be pretty because, I mean, yes, stuff grows on it. It looks kind of dirty. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Throw some cool LPS or, like, do a hedonia anemone in a turtle grass bed because that's how you see them you see them on the yeah. sand among seagrass beds and stuff and put some clownfish in it that'd be a yeah. wicked tank yeah that's awesome so. another another cool thing when you you know when you're out snorkeling or diving or whatever and seeing those little the little habitats amongst the larger habitat one of my favorite things to do on our honeymoon we went to uh where we go riviera maya i think and they had man-made reef um out on the beach and there was just tons of tide pools. And in every single one of those little holes was a little ecosystem. Oh, yeah. And it was, the water was crystal clear and you could see all the fish and the crabs and the inverts. And I've always tried, you know, with any build to think about, well, what's that, what's that scene look like in the ocean? I mean, if you can take any inspiration from there, I mean, I think that's all, what we're, that's what we're trying to capture, right? We're just trying to capture that little tiny piece of the ocean and have that in our, in our homes and kind of, nurture that so um yeah yeah so i don't know where we're going with that but uh i think we, we went we went down the <laughs> uncommon i think the uncommon coral rabbit hole and uh and then ended up in uncommon displays yeah, yeah. or something along um, those lines. but overall i would say getting back to the the hundred dollar coral challenge it can be done i did it um uh if you haven't seen the video you can check that out i got a lithophylon frag, the branching cyphastria. I got a green bodied Duncan. Uh, that's probably the most common out of all the corals. I got that uh, Pacillopora, the um, Leptostrea, Leptastria, which was also up for debate. And we didn't know if that was cyphastria or not, but it looks like the, the, the polyps just hadn't touched, started touching each other. And I think it's just. Uh, they call it a John Deere, um, Leptastria or Leptostrea. Oh, those are nice, actually. Yeah, the green yeah, and orange. It's really cool looking. Yeah, kind of bushy when it's happy. And of course, that Monopora, which I think uh, I did want to mention this one thing. So, if you have like you go to a frag swap and you have a two hundred dollar budget, and say you've got twenty bucks left, just go up to a coral vendor and be like, "Hey, what can you do for twenty dollars?" And that's what I did. I just went up to this. Uh, Gabe is his name, and I went up and I was like, "Hey man, what can you do for ten dollars?" And I swear that was not planned. He was just like, "Oh man, like you're killing me." He, I think his cheapest frag was twenty bucks, but you know, sometimes at the end of those swaps, they the less they have to take on their journey, the better. So yeah, uh, he gave me this really nice uh, Monopora uh, for ten bucks. So I got that, and then I got the Pavona. I think that's a there's a lot of green 
that going on there and someone pointed that out like you got a lot of green corals but you know you spread them out look good yeah but i mean that's probably the most common color <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know corals like yeah. what are you gonna do um yeah, and now it's funny. Orange was this crazy color. Now there's so much yeah. orange out there. It used to be hard to find an orange coral. Now it's what yellow. Like it's hard to find something that teeters more on. I guess between orange and green, it is technically yeah. yellow. I think um, in our nerd group for uh, for the leather coral, uh, the yellow Fiji leathers are, I guess, increasingly dif- more difficult to find. Um, I have one that has split into two a while back and it's been both are growing but i cannot get it to uh yellow up like the old school ones and i I thought i was onto something with green light because i remember um, this discussion did you guys you guys had this on yeah talking about green yeah uh, red light and green light yeah and just um how to make gene expression produce certain how i always say this wrong it's either chromoprotein or chromatoprotein um but the the site where they're developing bacteria e coli bacteria produce the different gene expressions for different um you know for the for these different pigments and they they had like this chart of like what nanometer of light will um, excite or cause expression perhaps in that color range and all of the yellows were all saying like green the green spectrum right so I thought well hey that's the issue right it was Saki's all the halides had plenty of green in there uh, unless you went you know full radi- radium not radion um, but then you look at our LED lights and it's just you know 450 nanometer blue and then you got the you know, you got the dip, royal blue, the blue, and uh, so I thought, well, what if we crank up the greens? But I was, I, I never saw much of an improvement. Could be that there's just not enough in the lights that I have to do that. I know Jake at the studio literally put like a green LED yeah. on on a Sarcophyte and Elegance, and I don't know, maybe that one, you'll yeah, be there. You know, that. maybe they're still running that experiment. But I, I was hoping we were onto something. I still wonder if it's locale. Um, I wonder if uh, they were coming out of a locale and the ones we're getting now are from yeah. a different area. Uh, I don't know. It's frustrating. Because so, they were easy to keep fairly yellow yeah. back in the day. They just came mm-hmm. in looking like that. Um, but they were not hardy. Uh, and they, you had to treat them like an SPS, lots of light, lots of flow. The most attractive one was this guy named Richard locally. And he literally had it in the top 10% of his tank under 250 watt wow. Iwasaki. I mean, <laughs> it was like six inches below the water line, just getting cooked. And the thing was, you know, just, just yeah, I mean, it was, ben- yeah, highlighter yellow almost. It was that crazy. So, yeah. Um, well, you got anything else you want to talk about? I have some housekeeping stuff here, but. No, I'm good. I uh just ready for this week to be over and <laughs> you know. That's what I like about doing these on Wednesdays cuz it's like you wake up the next morning yeah. and it's Thursday and you know you had a good reef chat, had a beer, sliding into the weekend, yeah. you know. On, uh, it's on a good Thursdays to, on the show we call them Friday light. So 
There you go. Friday yeah. Eve, I guess, as some people would. But Thursdays always feel good. I don't know why, but there's something about it. It's like we're on the back half now, so we're good. A um, little bit of housekeeping before we get out of here. Our friends at uh, Gallery Aquatica. I don't know if you've seen this shirt yet, Mark, but in Australia, they made up some Jake Adams tribute shirts. Uh, I think they did one for Julian Sprung. It's oh yeah, it's yeah, like the Obama it's kind of that one. Same style, yeah, the colors. Uh, my buddy and I just ordered ours a couple days ago, and when you check out, note it is in Australian, so one T-shirt is not fifty dollars. <laughs> we got two, and he's like, "It's ninety-nine dollars," and I was like, "That's got to be Australian. <laughs> That's not U.S." Uh, and in fact, it was. I think it ended up being like I don't know, like thirty some dollars with shipping. And I think it, it's coming from Australia. So um, all the proceeds from that are are going to Windsor and their little frag. So uh, we've got all the details at reefbuilders.com. Uh, in talking to her, she really wants to be at Aquashella, Dallas. But uh, she may have the baby at that point. Um, at this point, when we're recording this, she's in within five weeks. So, I mean, it's down to the wire. Uh at this point, if I remember correctly, my wife was like, I'm ready. I'm ready for this thing to be out. Yeah, I just want this <laughs> thing out of me. Uh, yeah, I remember that. But uh, oh, And also, speaking of Aquashella Dallas, uh, we're all going to be there. Mark, you coming? I can't. It's May yeah. 20th, right? Yeah, it's my son's birthday. Yeah. That literally, like that Bring day him. is his birthday. He'd so. enjoy love Dallas. Yeah. I got my my mom's flying in to be there gotcha. for his birthday and all. Yeah, it's a, it's a big totally ordeal, understand. So. Totally get it. Uh, we are so Refilters yeah. is the media sponsor, so we're actually going to have a booth. Um, I'll be running around grabbing video stuff and hopefully meeting everybody as well. So you can find those uh, tickets at aquashella.com or at reefbuilders.com. As always, any questions can be placed down in the comments section below. We're always open to topic ideas as well. Uh, love to address those uh, comments like we did today. If you have anything specific that you're thinking about right now and you're like, oh, I wish they, they would have answered this or I hope they can answer this in the next one, make sure to leave a comment. Uh, Mark, anything else before we go? No, man. It was good talking with you. Um, yeah, I appreciate all the comments and I enjoy reading them and I enjoy some of the questions. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I stumbled on a great podcast from, from one of the recommendations and I appreciate that. So, um, we didn't yeah. go. We, Until we didn't go to time, the bookshelf today. Yeah, well, <laughs> we were we were like back in the day with reef therapy. We were like, do we like bring up a book every? And we tried. I think the the folks that have been listening to the star probably heard us like every time we're yeah. gonna bring out a book, and then it yeah. just fizzled. <laughs> um, but that's uh, okay. We'll, we'll, I don't we'll think about it. Maybe maybe next yeah. time. You guys have to have, weren't you going to come up with some theme yes. music when yes. I would like walk off? It'd be very similar to Jeopardy or, or, you know, one of those guys, <laughs> uh, elevator music of some sort. Yeah. All right, Reef Builders, uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of Reef Therapy, and we will see you in the next one. All right.